relationships grow deeper with forgiveness. And that's the whole point of the study this morning. Many people don't realize that, and so actually they have broken relationships that will never be healed, that will never be fixed, because forgiveness is the missing element. Okay, let's look at uh, what uh, the Bible meets life. If we can have someone read that, please. Okay, let's look at what the Bible says then. And this topic of forgiveness is a difficult topic for for some folks because they have been hurt so badly in their lives that they find it very, very difficult to forgive uh, the person who hurt them. Uh, First, uh, Matthew chapter 18, uh, beginning with verse 21. And I'll read. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus said to him, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that, his, that he, his wife, and his children, and everything that he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the slave fell down, face down before him, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. And the master of that slave had compassion and released him, and forgave him the loan. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii, and grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have also forgiven me? Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? Okay, let's have someone read the first two paragraphs on page 112. Well, you know what? Let me read the first two, and then we'll have someone read the other ones. In these verses, Peter was basically asking if there was a quota on grace. How many times are we called to let someone, some person, slide off the hook? The rabbis of that day challenged people to overlook an offense up to three times. To Peter's way of thinking, he was being generous. Forgiving someone seven times more than double the cultural expectation for grace. 
Jesus surely stunned Peter with his response. Seventy times seven or seventy-seven times are both impossible interpretations for Jesus' forgiveness formula. Either route you take, the point is that grace should have no limits whatsoever. Few people are ever offended 50, 60, or 70 times by the same person in a short time. Notice that. Few people. You know anybody who are offended 50, 60, or 70 times by the same person? No. So that really, that's a rare occasion that that would happen. The Lord is exaggerating here for effect. And the point that he's making here is, don't keep track, just keep forgiving. Get the point? Don't keep track, just keep forgiving. You're not going to count how many times a person you forgive a person, are you? No. So the point is, don't keep track, just keep forgiving. Forget about how many times you forgive, just keep forgiving. Okay, let's have someone read the remainder of that now. Corey Ten Boom lived through the nightmare of Nazi concentration camp. In that hellish place, she was humiliated, especially in the Delazing Shaw, where the women were watched by the leering guards. By the grace of God, Corey survived it all and found it in her heart to forgive, or so she thought. Corey later traveled extensively to share her testimony of God's forgiveness. One day, a man approached her with his hand outstretched. How good it is to know, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. Young lady, it is wonderful that Jesus forgives us all our sins, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, will you forgive me? This was the leering, mocking face of one of the cruelest guards in the shower stall. Coldness clutched Corey's heart, and she prayed, Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. The ice of hate melted and her hand went out. I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. She forgave as she was forgiven. Question is, what if that was you? Would you have been forgiving as Corrie Ten Boom? Classic example. You know, we can say it. Oh, yeah, I forgive you, but do you mean it? All right? And she remembered him. Of course, he remembered her, but she remembered him. And uh, she was willing. But notice what she said. Jesus, help me. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with saying that. Because that's what it's going to take to be able to forgive someone who has hurt you so much that you find it very difficult in your heart to forgive them. And we could never imagine what Corrie Ten Boom had experienced in that prison with, with that experience that she had. But she was able to depend upon Jesus and ask him for the help. Uh, notice what she, said, what she said, I can lift my hand, I can do that much. Okay? In other words, I can go through the motions. But it's going to take a whole lot more than just going through the motions to forgive this person. And that's a point that we need to take seriously. Question number two. What actually happens when you forgive someone? Think of Corrie Ten Boom's experience. What actually happens when you forgive someone? You become at peace. The burden is lifted. And many people have experienced that. You know, you hold on to a grudge because this person has done, done you something wrong. You go walking around with this burden all the time. And that person is free. You know, you're the one who is suffering. Okay? But when you forgive that person, that burden is lifted. And you are more freer 
than that person is. So that's one of the things that happens when we forgive someone. The burden is lifted. We are set free. And the, the, the point is, we often consider uh, forgiveness to be an abstract idea, like peace or love, but it's not. We need to consider that it's a whole lot more than that. Okay, there's a, there's a corrective measure that needs to be taken uh, that will allow us to have the unlimited feeling of forgiveness rather than having the feeling of being open to continued abuse. Because sometimes we feel as if, if I forgive this person, what if they continue, to, what if they don't take it the right way and they continue to abuse to abuse me because I forgave them and they take it, they don't take the forgiveness, they take my forgiveness lightly, put another way. Christian forgiveness, for Christians, forgiveness must be unlimited. There must be no strings attached to forgiveness as believers. In other words, you can't say, I'm going to forgive you, but I ain't going to forget. Okay, that's a string. Okay, or I'm going to forgive you, but there's no buts. Okay, for Christians, forgiveness is unlimited. You see, Jesus was not teaching Christians to remain in, in abusive relationships when he says forgive. That's not the point. And that should never happen. Okay, Christians are called to accept moments of mistreatment from the past in the process of sharing the gospel. We are, we are going to have that. We're going to be abused in the process of doing what God wants us to do. We have a lot of Christians who are being persecuted today for that very reason. They're going to be there suffering persecution for sharing the gospel. But not to resign themselves to being dehumanized or endangered by another person's constant abusive behavior. That's not what forgiveness is all about. When a believer ends a destructive relationship, forgiveness remains a critical issue. Staying in an abusive relationship and seeking reconciliation may not be wise or safe. So you see common sense is involved here in the process of forgiveness as well. Forgiving the offender in the privacy of one's own heart allows the injured person to make peace with the past and to move forward in their life. And that's what we mean when we talk about a burden being lifted or weight being removed when we forgive. Because that's what forgiveness does. It allows us to release whatever anger and vengeance and hate that has been keeping us captive or making us prisoners. And so forgiveness is important. It's imperative. Uh, Brother Randy, mm -hmm. I heard a sermon once by C.M. Ward. And not many people in here would remember C.M. Ward. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was the Assemblies of God preacher. And he said there was this person in the army who misbehaved at all times. Mm -hmm. And when this guy was checking him out and I was out to punish him, he had used up all the punishment they could have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they could render to him. Mm -hmm. And the guy who represented, he said, Now what can I do with you? He used up all these. And the guy who represented him said, the one thing that hasn't been done to him was he had never been forgiven. There you go. And um, he ended up with, at the time when CMO was telling his story, mm -hmm. 
He was a preacher. He was a preacher and he didn't forgive the person. Um, the, the forgiven person, mm -hmm. the rule who was forgiven, had turned his way around to the point where he was then a preacher. Mm. Important. Okay, let's look at, uh, let's have someone read verses 23 to 27. Verses 23 to 27 on page 111. For this reason, the king of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to sell his tongues with his slaves. Then he began to sell his tongues. One of the old, ten thousand times before for him. Says he had no way to pay that his master commanded that he, his son, his children, and everything else. Okay, now notice how Jesus uh, uh, begins uh, in verse 23. He begins uh, by saying, For this reason. For this reason. Now this phrase he uses in order to present this truth in a way that you can understand it. In other words, he's using a, a dialogue, a, a, a story to get the people to understand. He says, I will tell you an earthly story that will il illustrate the spiritual truth about forgiving that you need to learn. And so he's telling an earthly story to get across a spiritual truth that is necessary uh, for us to, to learn. Jesus often introduced parables by saying he was making a comparison between a familiar life experience of his hearers and the lesson he wanted to teach them about God's kingdom. Jesus told a story about a slave's accountability to his king or to his master. A king in Jesus' time had an absolute authority over his subjects. He could do with them whatever they felt like doing Okay, because they, were, they belonged to him. They were subjects. He had the right to make any decision about them, including the choice of sparing them or taking their lives. That's what he had a right to do. And it was not wrong to do it, because the king had that right. He had that choice. And then it was 24, 25. It's kind of... <clears throat> he uses the, the, the 10,000 talents to rep represent it, which represent an astronomical figure. In other words, he, by using 10,000 talents, he, talking about, he, he wants us to see that he's, he's, this man owed an astronomical amount of money. He owed so much money that there's no way he could have paid that amount. And so the king says, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to forgive you of that debt. Regardless of how big that debt is, I'm going to forgive you of this incredible sum. And it represents the debt each of us as sinners owes to God. We owe a debt that it's so big that we could never pay it. We could live 10,000 lifetimes and never be able to pay it. And that's the point that Jesus is making here with this story. In the ancient world, a creditor had the right to sell a debtor and his family into slavery and sell off all the debtor's possessions to recover at least a small portion of what that person owed. And that's why you see the story said he was going to sell his, the, the man, his children, his wife, and all his possessions 
they had a right. In ancient times, a person had a right to do that. It was, it was legal to do that. Uh, this part of the story illustrates that while each of us stands alone in our accountability before God, the sins we commit threaten to enslave not only us, but everyone close to us and everything that we have, we have placed any kind of value on. And that's the point that Jesus is making uh, here. Frantic to keep himself out of, and his family out of prison, the slave promises that he had no way, he had no, he, he says, I'm going I'm to pay this debt, I'm going to do whatever I can, I'm going to pay it. Now he knew he couldn't pay it, but he makes a promise that he had no way of keeping. He fell face down. That's an act of humility. Showing that uh, he recognized the king's authority. Whenever you bow before a king, you're paying the king the highest homage that you could pay. There's no greater higher homage you can pay than bowing down before a king. And he, he did that to show how humble he was and how helpless he was. He, re he realized that this was not a conversation between equals. Okay, he was much lower than dirt as far as this, uh, this, this king was concerned. And uh, he had the, the king had the power to do whatever he felt like doing. And then Jesus described two important aspects of the master's response to the slave's desperate pleas for patience. First, the master had compassion on his hopelessly indebted slave. Okay, the man is hopelessly indebted. And the master, had, he could have taken advantage of him. He could have taken the man's family and his children and all his possessions and made all of his family slaves of the king. But he didn't. The word compassion is often used to describe Jesus and his attitude toward the needs of people. But before Jesus, but for Jesus, compassion was always more than an inward feeling. Every time Jesus is described as feeling compassion, he acts on that feeling by ministering to the person in need. And this is exactly what the king did. Okay? He didn't just say compassion, he acted with compassion. The master released his servant from the sentence of imprisonment and indebtedness that he did not earn. And so the master forgave him and let him go. But what did he do? Did he learn from that experience? He didn't. Let's look at uh, the paragraphs on page 113. To drive home his shocking 70 times 7 statement to Peter, Jesus told a parable. This was not a, an historical story, but an illustration of the truth Jesus wanted to teach. The parable was about a man with a major debt crisis. He owed the king a crazy amount of cash and had no means of paying it off. When the king called in the note, the indebted man fell face down on the ground, begging his master to give him additional time to pay, to pay it all back. The king was, was seasoned and wise. He knew this man could burn the candle at both ends, working 24-7 for the rest of his life, and still not produce the cash required to pay, his, pay this bill. What was the king to do? In an astonishing act of grace and mercy, the king relieved the man of his responsibility and pardoned the debt. All of it. Not a part of it. In Jewish parables, the king symbolized God and the idea of settling accounts symbolized judgment. Each of us is like the servant with an incredible debt. How big is our debt? 
Jesus used the outrageous amount of 10,000 talents. A talent was the highest denomination of currency at that time. And 10,000 was the largest number in the Greek language. A worker typically earned one denarius a day, and it took 6,000 denarii to equal one talent. To earn one talent then would take about 16 and a half years. And with a debt of 10,000 talents, it would take his debtor 16,000 years to pay off his debt. Could the man live 16,000 years? <laughs> so you see how big the debt was. Once again, Jesus was using hyperbole to make a point. Namely, this was an impossible debt to pay. Similarly, our debt of rebellion and offense against God is so huge, it's impossible for us to pay it off. But Jesus paid the debt in full for us. And God has forgiven our rebellion, our sin. We don't deserve forgiveness, but God in His grace and mercy has extended forgiveness to us through Jesus. We are free. Now notice the points here that we've read. To drive home is shocking 70 times statement to Peter, Jesus told a parable. It was an historical story, not an historical story, but an illustration of the truth he wanted to teach. And then second point is, in Jewish parables, the king symbolized God and the idea of settling the account symbolized judgment. Each of us is like that servant with an incredible debt. And then the third point we saw in the passage is that Jesus paid the debt in full for us. God has forgiven us of our rebellion and sin. Now I know sometimes we don't feel forgiven, especially when we mess up again, or we commit the same sin, or the same act, and we disappoint God, or we don't feel forgiven. But the Bible tells us that God has forgiven us of our debt. He has set us free. Remember what the, the, the soldier said to Corrie ten Boom? What did he say about sins? Look at the story again. What do you say? What did he say to him when he stretched out his hands? Great. Okay, how good it is to know that all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And that's exactly what God did when he forgave our huge debt. Our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And God is not going to go on a diving expedition to dig them up and, and, to, and to throw them in your face again. It's not going to happen. Okay? Question number three on page 13. 113. Since Jesus has forgiven us, what hinders us from forgiving others? Let's take it personal. Since Jesus has forgiven you of all of your sins, forgiven me of all of my sins, cast all of your sins and my sins in the depths of the sea, where they can't be found, they can't be reached, what hinders me or you from forgiving someone else who has offended us? What stands between us? What is it? Huh? Shouldn't be anything. Exactly. Shouldn't be anything. Okay? Should be absolutely nothing. So if there's someone that you refuse to forgive, 
then you need to go to that person and forgive them because absolutely, there's absolutely nothing that is standing between you and that person to prevent you from forgiving them. Now, there are rare times when uh, we have difficulty doing that. But we need to realize that there are obstacles that we can overcome. Okay, let's look at the other part of that verse. Again on page 111, verses 28 to 33. Someone read those verses, please. Verse 28 to 33. But that slave ran on the town, one of his fellow slaves owed him one hundred denarii. Grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Hey, what you owe me? Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you paid me. Should you also have that mercy on your fellow slave, as I had mercy on him? Okay. Now, do you think he remembered what was done for him? I mean, that was kind of quick, right? Question number four. How do the king's actions in, his mirror, in, his, in this parable mirror God's actions toward us? How do the king's actions in this parable mirror God's actions toward us? Well, that's identical because he forgave him everything. Exactly. It's identical. He forgave him everything, every single thing. And as we just said, he cast all of our sins in the sea of forgetfulness, where they are no longer remembered. Okay, now there's, a, there's an activity on page 115. You see it? It says, barriers to forgiveness. See that? Think of someone who has wronged you and hurt you. Someone who has who has really hurt you more than anybody else in your life. Okay, I'm sure we all have an experience like that. Circle any of the following obstacles that are preventing you from forgiving that debt. Pride, pain, bitterness, revenge, fear, apathy, anger, guilt, pleasure, Stubbornness. Circle any two. Which you come up with? Which two did, would, would you have circled? Pride and pain. Pride and pain. Pride and pain. Okay. I think those those are one two prominent ones. Revenge. Revenge and what? Get back to me on that one, okay? Pain and, and uh, pride and pain is one. Is, 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 huh? Revenge and anger, okay? Uh, hmm? I'll get you back. I'll get you back, okay? I don't get mad, I get even. Okay, I'll get you back. Okay, anybody else? Pain and bitterness. Pain and bitterness. Okay? Stubbornness. Stubbornness. Alright? Stubborn. I'm, I'm not going to forgive you. You, you, you. you hurt me. Okay? What's one step you can take to begin knocking down these obstacles and move toward forgiveness? One step. Do what Corey K. Moon did. 
Amen. There we go. That's right. Because when you look at this list, that's right. That's absolutely right. Because when you look at, when you look at pride, pain, bitterness, revenge, fear, apathy, anger, guilt. The only thing you could do is, oh Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Oh Lord, have mercy on me and help me. Okay, and so that's 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 basically what you need to do. Ask. You see, you've been going on with this this uh, this unforgiving heart and spirit for a long, long time. The only action you can take is with Corrie Ten Boom does. Ask Jesus for help. Remember, she said, "I can lift my hand. I can reach at my hand." But Lord, you got to take me the rest of the way. Okay, so we need to depend on Jesus to be able to do that. That's the one. That's the one and only step that we can take. Can I take that? <laughs> hmm? <laughs> Let me tell you something. We are all sitting here, and this message is actually for Brenda. Because <laughs> the lady is trying to be. <laughs> 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 and I'm looking for a little wind tomorrow. I'm about four or five weeks now, and my child is telling me there's a message you on. No one can choose your reaction to it. And I get, I get, I get the way this morning, Jesus, and you know. I get the morning when I don't get a message, we have a meeting, 9 o'clock. And I, I know she can be there. So I got so much I meet her, and I say, Jesus, man. I tell you. So the message for Brenda this morning. <laughs> well, at least one person got to get a message this morning from this. Okay, let's look at. Mm. And that's the only way to go forward. Asking, but do you remember the Bible that reminds us that Jesus is with us at every moment. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And we take a lot on ourselves and, and, and forget that He's there. Okay, or we ignore the fact that He's there. Okay, let's look at uh, the final paragraph on page uh, 1. Uh, well, let's look at those, the, the, the section on 114. Page 114. The king set the man free from his enormous debt. He was allowed to run free. Unfortunately, now notice this now, he was allowed to run free. Unfortunately, he ran in the wrong direction. He ran after someone who owed him money. The second man's debt was not small, but it was insignificant compared to the debt just canceled. The second man's debt was 100 denarii, about three months wages. But what's that compared to 60,000 denarii and 16,000 years wages? Why do we have to behave like this? Why do we withhold forgiveness when we have been forgiven so much? I know forgiveness isn't always easy, but it's always right. <laughs> only a heartless now notice this now only a heartless cruel person would make a friend pay a petty bill in the wake of his own extravagant pardon now notice I would describe that person 
heartless, cruel, and petty. Barnacles are organisms that bunch up on the underside of a boat and become quite a nuisance in large numbers. Right, Brother Cliff? Yes. (laughs) In fact, fact, a boat encrusted with barnacles may use up to 50% more fuel when traveling at normal speed. Is that so, bro? More than that. More than that, okay. (laughs) Worse. Barnacles are notoriously difficult to remove once they take hold. The longer they remain, the more difficult it becomes to get rid of them. They come off only by strong force. Our past hurts and the unforgiveness we hold on to are like barnacles that weigh us down and prevent our relationships from moving forward. Got that, Sister Brenda? (laughs) <laughs> All right. Remember that now. <laughs> okay. Only through Christ. Now go to this. Only through Christ can we tap into the supernatural power needed to remove these barnacles and forgive. Like Corey Ten Boom said, Jesus help me. Those who have been raised with Christ have been endowed with the strength to break free. From, an, from unforgiveness. And notice the last paragraph. No. Forgiveness isn't easy. And we all can identify with that, right? We can all say amen to that. Because we've been there. It's costly, too. Look at what it cost Jesus. But even as Christ has forgiven us, He empowers us by His Spirit to extend the same forgiveness to others. With God's help, we can overcome past hurts and set our relationships free from unforgiveness. Okay, last question. How have you seen forgiveness deepen a relationship? How have you seen forgiveness deepen a relationship? Anybody? Different attitude, okay. Toward the person who you forgive, you get a different attitude. Okay, and in some cases, uh, a person's in a relationship, when they forgive a person, the relationship becomes better than it was before the offense. And that's one way of, of, of indicating that how it has been deepened. You know something? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember this thing I should say. What, what we would say we forgive someone, but we don't forgive they we don't forgive that we forgive the person just as they are but we want to forgive them if they come on our side and we forgive them but we have to forgive the person just as they are Submit to them just as they are. Exactly. Just as what God did with us. Okay, we didn't have to do anything for God to forgive us. In other words, there are no prerequisites that we have to meet to get forgiveness. And we have to do the same thing with others. We can't say, well, you know what? I I thought about it and I'll forgive you, but you got to. No. There's no strings attached. Okay? The king didn't attach any strings to this first person when he forgave him. Okay? And he should have got the message, but he didn't. Okay, here are some uh, considerations that we can live out. On page 116, evaluate, that's number one. 
Consider your current relationship and spend time identifying areas of unforgiveness in your heart. Does Brenda already do that? And she can work on that on Monday morning, okay? Alright, so that's one thing. That's the first thing. Evaluate. Take a small step. Now notice, not a big step. Take a small step. Make an effort to extend forgiveness in a relationship where you've been wronged or slighted. Okay, anyone who's wronged you or slighted you in a way, make a small step uh, and... and uh, Extend forgiveness. Take the first step, even if you've done nothing wrong. Even if you've done nothing wrong, take the first step. And then third, the third one is, take a large step. Now you've got to take the small step first. Because if you take the, try to take the, the large step, you're going you're gonna to trip over yourself and hurt yourself. Okay? The next one, take a large step. Identify a relationship in which you need to be forgiven. One where you have contributed to bad feelings... Or even where you've completely in where you are completely in the wrong. Now that's a hard one. Because nobody likes to admit they're wrong. With humility, make an effort to bridge the gap. And then finally, your sin is a ten thousand talent debt forgiven by God. The debts others may owe you are insignificant in comparison. As are the debts you may owe to others. God forgives, you can too.